deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke. Man, am I excited that you have joined us today. I'm so excited to offer this show to you, as I am every show, and uh, I've got a great guest lined up this week, Mr. Blake Marshall. He's a heck of a guy. I really think you'll like him. He's been on the show before, about a year or so ago, I think we talked about um just a great guest he's a guide and outfitter for uh king of eights outfitters which is a um hunting service out in kind of northwest central texas going towards abilene in a town called ballinger and um anyway he puts on some great exotic hunts we're going to talk about that he puts on some great whitetail hunts turkey hunts uh all kinds of different hunts and uh great guy to get to know and uh he's very active on social media so i love uh Love following this guy. I love catching up with him. He's just a great guy to get to know. And so I think you'll really enjoy this. So this podcast should be coming out around the new year. Happy New Year to everybody. Merry Christmas. A belated Merry Christmas to you guys. I forgot to mention that in my last podcast um, with Chester. But anyway, this is going to be a great show. And uh, really appreciate you guys watching, reading, and listening. Please subscribe to the show if you've not done so already. It is free to do so. And it does not cost a thing. And uh, it is really, really cool. Uh, to get to know you guys, feel free to connect with me in social media. My website's dustinsprojects.com, or you can email me through the Fish and Game website, fishgame.com, because I do both. Um, and just really, really look forward to connecting with you guys in social media and elsewhere. Here's my interview with Mr. Blake Marshall. Joining me on the phone is Mr. Blake Marshall from King of Eights Outfitters. How are you doing today, Blake? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? better than i deserve man welcome back to the best of the outdoors second time on the show had you on last year uh forget when it was last year was it in the fall i think it was yeah it was in the fall right before i know it was right before duck season Duck season, okay cool so you told us in the last podcast a little bit about king of eights um how the name got started and everything like that you've been full-time outfitting pretty much for the last couple of years and uh you know i i love you because you're a georgia boy transplanted in texas and you picked right up on our way of hunting and you're awesome man so <laughs> hats off to you it. man <laughs> I appreciate it big time i couldn't done it without uh the help of a lot of good people you've been you know you've been one of them you know you reached out to me early on in my uh in what is now my career right and you know you helped me catapult to the next level and i've I've got a lot of people to thank, and I'm grateful for that. But, no, I, I appreciate it, man. You know, I, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome, man. So, in this show, I wanted to, to kind of download, <clears throat> I guess, the idea of hunting for exotics, especially as we approach the off-season. We're recording this episode Christmas Eve, so Merry Christmas to everybody. It'll be a little belated by the time this show comes out. But, um, you know, we're approaching that off-season time after the special antlerist and spike season in Texas, and exotics are, are full game year-round. Uh, there's no limit. There's no um, there's no license, especially, that you have to have besides just a regular hunting license. Uh, you can hunt them free range, but a lot of people choose to go to a hunting ranch like DB Hunting Ranch that I work for or uh, or King of Eights like you that outfits for a number of ranches. Uh, give us a rundown, Blake. Yeah, as far as uh, as far as exotic hunting goes, um, first of all, you know, to touch on what you said, you can do it year round. Right. So, number one, it, it extends our season. It extends the. A lot of people don't have the time during you know the peak parts of <clears throat> whitetail season. Sure. Which being Thanksgiving, Christmas, stuff like that, they're doing stuff. They're busy. Um, so having exotics to 
to be able to hunt year round is not only it's not only vital for um, you know for our uh, well being for the outfitters well being ranchers well being the animals well being and I know a lot of people are like what do you mean you, you know the <laughs> the prolonged existence of animals depends on hunting and hunters absolutely absolutely uh, out. Uh, without the hunters and without the ranchers and without outfitters and i and i will i'll touch back on that a little bit more as far as outfitters go but it, without the the hunters coming to uh to hunt the uh, the exotics and other game uh, they would cease to exist right and i'm not talking about poaching I'm not talking about, you know, that that's not hunters. That's not what we're talking about. When I'm talking about hunters, I'm talking about good good men and women, ethical hunters who follow the game laws, who follow the rules, who follow the regulations, who pay their for their licensing. And of course, when you get into it like we do, you are going to take mature animals. You know, every now and then when you take you know, uh, an immature animal by mistake or or for a kid or something like that. Right. Yes. That's a whole different scenario, but 99.99% of the time we take mature animals. And if you're doing that, you are growing and sustaining a herd, uh, and for its longevity and taking and harvesting animals at the proper time. Now your main thing was, you know, your main question was, you know, um, exotics in general. Um, there's pros and cons to everything. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people's argument is, well, geez, Louise, you know, those things are expensive, this, that, and the other. You can go to Africa and do this for that. You can go to Africa. I hear it all the time. Right. We talked about that last night in the pre-chat. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And can you can you go to Africa and take, you know, go on a hunt and take a Ginsbach or something for, let's say, 1500 or so? You know, I'm just giving a ballpark sure. figure. I know basically what the prices are. Yes, you can. Uh, also, adding to it your flight um you know round trip there and back you're going to spend about two grand you know um thereabouts um also taking to take into account that you will not get your meat back true you will eat some yeah. of it while you're there and it will go to feed the families right the villagers of, and stuff like that for sure we talked about that, that for there, sure. yeah. there are pros the thing about it is is you don't go to africa for the price you go to africa for the experience yes you know, and I have, I love Africa. Africa's awesome. If people want to go to Africa, let's go to Africa. At the same time, a lot of people do not have that luxury. And we haven't even included taxidermy, getting it back over. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think that there, here's another thing. I think as hunters, I get tired of seeing the bashing all the time. I mean, I don't even comment anymore. Sure. Because instead of all of us lifting each other up, this hunter's tearing this hunter down for the way he does something, the way she does something. If you're if you're following the rules and regulations and laws, then stay out of you know stay out of their way. Stay, you know, or if you don't have anything good to say to those people, you know we we as hunters need to stick together as yeah. much as possible because I can assure you, there's people that want to do away with us completely. I talk about that. Into, yeah, they put us all into the same category and. Um, they love it that we 
we get it at odds. So we've talked about that a lot on this show, though, uh, Blake. Not to interrupt you, but I just wanted to say, you know, Mac and Prowler, who I had on a couple of, you know, four shows ago or so, you know, they said if we just let hunters at themselves, the the whole industry will fall, you know, because we have so much division within us. And I agree to, to a point, but I, I agree more to your point about we need to stick together as a group because our numbers are diminishing, you know, and I say that just about every show that we, you know, getting youth involved, uh, conservation, those kind of things are key points when it comes to all this stuff. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't I, <laughs> I don't necessarily agree or disagree with a lot of people i i listen to everybody though. sure, and I sure. Have you're open-minded mind. that's what i've always liked about you yeah and i i think you know i think other people should try to do the same at least get educated but i guess that's what we're trying to do right now right is hope educate some some people that may not know and that's that's the, one of the problems that people just they don't necessarily know and I, I do i know everything am i an expert on every matter no i'm not but i do this for a living every single day of my life and i learn more and more and more and i'm always open to people who know more than me you know my my dad my granddaddy used to say learn all you can while you can right that's a good saying i mean i mean that means every single day well, and back to your point about Africa hunting versus hunting exotics in Texas, you know, you have your flight, you have your lodging, you got your guide tips, you've got your taxidermy, all that other stuff. One hunter told me that recently took a trip to Africa that it's a hunt of a lifetime because it takes a lifetime of earnings to pay for getting the taxidermy back, you know? So, <laughs> but, you know, I've never been. I understand once you go, it's, it's you get it in your heart and everything. But, man, do I love hunting those same African animals here in the States. Um, you know, especially in Texas, we have high fences and we have exotic populations, but to your point about the conservation, to your point about the, do animals have value without hunters? Um, I've talked about this with Tim Jackson from, um, from GarQuest, and I've talked about this with other hunters on the show as well. You know, if that animal does not have a value on it with a hunter, a lot of times they don't have value at all. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. <clears throat> I know exactly what you're saying. So that's what I'm, I'm a big champion of exotics in Texas. And a lot of times I know they're a nuisance. You've got axis that are overrunning whitetail herds. I hear, uh, you've got feral hogs, obviously, which are, which are considered an exotic, uh, in a lot of places, but you know, our black buck herds getting involved with whitetail herds. I, again, we're talking mainly about, you know, hiring a guide or an outfitter to hunt them. But, um, you know, I, I think it is a diverse landscape we have in the state. I really do. I do too. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, not only that, I have, uh, I've talked to several Africanos, as I like to call them, that have come over here. They come over here because they want, they, they love us. They want to see how we do things. And they also want us to come over there when the chance, you know, when the time arises, Right. they'll come hunt with me and vice versa. <clears throat> and I have literally had this happen. I wish I was recording it, but, they're like, you know, they're taking pictures and they're like, I don't even know why I'm taking pictures there <laughs> because nobody's going to believe that I left. <laughs> That's good. You know, That's so good. What's, uh, you know, like I said, just a minute ago, it, you don't go to Africa for the, you go to Africa for the experience. Right. Period. <clears throat> and if you want the, <clears throat> the same animals, you know, and, really the same experience a lot of people don't know this too we can hit on this a lot a lot of africa is high fenced yes it is especially the southern part of the continent yes 
that's another thing that I love when people are like, you go to Africa and you go, you know, you're you're in the wild, you're on this wild spot. It's like, oh, really? Okay, cool. It's all high How fence. You, <laughs> it's also high fence, my friend. Yeah. And when it comes to exotics, it doesn't matter whether it is or whether it isn't. I know, you know, and there, the, the thing is, is that a lot of people, when they refer to high fence, they're referring to a half inch speed pin. Right. And we talked about that on our last show, which is different yeah. than what you and I do for hunting, which is in a high fence pasture or hunting preserve, if you want to call it. I guess the left would call it something like that, you know. Um right. there's a difference. A lot of a lot of the places that I hunt, they don't even have feeders. You know, you have to go out there and sure enough find the find the game. Safari style spot and stock, that kind of stuff, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's good. I just I just like to bring up because Chester and I hit it big time on the last podcast. If anybody listened to that one, you know about you know there's two things that keep a whitetail hunter from killing a trophy whitetail, and that's one the price, and two the um, agreement to to hunt something behind a high fence. That's really it, you know. And I I don't have a problem with that, but I understand a lot of people do, and it's a controversial topic, which is what I like to bring it up on this podcast. Um, because, you know, without high fences, and I said this on the last show, we don't have exotics like we do in Texas. Um, they, right. they'd all jump and get out and they'd all <clears> run wild and nobody would keep them on their ranch because nobody could keep them on their ranch. That is 100% correct. So, you know, that just goes back to, to what to look for, you know, in that regard for a hunt. Now I'm going to get on my rant box and I told you this before we started the show, Blake, um, the one thing, you know, I talk, we're going to talk briefly about hiring a guide or an outfitter for an exotic hunt. Um, since you're a, a guide and an outfitter, Blake, um, one of the things that grinds my gears, if you will, or really gets on my nerves, my pet peeve, if you will, because I sell hunts on the side for, uh, for DB hunting ranch and a couple of other places. Um, you know, they all want pictures, dude. They all want, you got any pictures of that psycho? Got any pictures of that black book? Got any pictures of that Buffalo? I'm like, there's no imagination in getting pictures of everything. And I know I'm going to take some people off because Texas hunting forums bad about this. Facebook's bad about this. And I know that's where I advertise this show, but, um, you know, leave a little bit up to the imagination. Do you agree with me, Blake? Yeah. I mean, first of all, if. I, first of all, I have a good reputation. If you have a good reputation, that means that so many people have been coming and hunting with you. I mean, I don't have five or ten. I have thousands of people that have given me recommendations. Sure, because I've seen they that. Um, with me and trusted me to do what I said I'm going to do. Now, can I give people a an idea of what's what they're going to get out there? Yes. May might we get on that animal? Yes, we very well could. But I'm not going to send somebody pictures of a specific animal, get their hopes and expectations up, and then not deliver on that specific animal. That's, That's not a, yeah. And if you and if somebody does that, you are hunting a a pen. Yeah, I mean, to some degree you are, but I mean, I you're you're speaking right to my point because I'm like, you know, if I show you, I sold a water buffalo hunt a while back, a trophy one to uh, some guys that were very wealthy railroad guys, and uh, I sold this on a ranch one time, and this is back in like 2013, 2014, and I literally would send pictures representative of the bulls that they would shoot, but they wanted to actually pick the one out on the left that they wanted to buy to shoot. And I'm like, that's not hunting, guys. That's grocery shopping. But again, right. you know, I know I'm going to take some people off. I just think that is not hunting. Take them off. I yeah. take people off all the time. I know I take that's true. Off. We both do. So. This, I, I, listen, there's 
I get death threats from PETA. And yeah. I also get, you know, I get stuff from hunters all the time, quote unquote hunters or whatever you want to call sure. yourself. Sure. You're going to piss people off. Yeah. People are either going to like you or they're not. And they're going to, they're going to think what they want to think when they want to think it. It's not up to me to try to please them. It's up to me to do what I know I need to do and stay the course. If I'm, like I said, if you're doing the right thing and you're not breaking the laws and you're following the rules and regulations right. of set up by Texas parks and wildlife and Texas fishing game, then by all means do it. And do I, do I see the people's point, you know, my clients point to an extent? Yes, I do. Sure. And I, what, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll take a picture or a video, lots, several pictures and videos and stuff of, of the herd, of right. the entire, or the majority of it and show you, this is what we're going to hunt. Sure. But am I going to pick out a bull for you? No. Cause guess what? I have told people shoot the one on the left and guess which one they shoot. Yeah, the one on the right. On the right. Yeah. <laughs> I knew where you were going with that one. <laughs> um, I'm also not going to do it. And guess, then guess whose fault it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's, right. it's always my fault. Right, well, I thought right. you said the one No, I said the one on the left, but it doesn't matter. Other uh, left. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I just know I'm, I'm not going to do that. And if as an outfitter you choose to do that, then by all means, my friend, do it. You know, or, or as a rancher or, or guide or whatever. But I've been doing this too long. First of all, I don't have the time for that either. Right, right. I'm always doing something. I'm always feeding, doing, you know, checking cameras. Do I have cameras out? Yes, but I only have them out during a certain time of year. Sure. Can I go out to, to every single ranch that I'm at at any given moment? No, because I'm preparing for the next hunt and preparing for the next hunt and preparing for the next hunt. Um, I have... I have a very high success rate doing it the way I do it. And I, I always put people on what they come, what they came to. And if I don't on that trip, I make good on it. Right. No, and that's that's a sign of a good guy, and that's why I wanted to have you back on the show because those are some things to look for when you're hiring a guy. Testimonials, um, you know, what they're saying on Texas Hunting Forum, what they're saying on Facebook, what they're saying, and this is just any guy or outfit. If you're hunting free range, um, you know, and uh, free range mule deer um, in West Texas, if you're hunting, you know, high fence uh, exotics in Central Texas or wherever, you're kind of in Northwest Central Texas in Ballinger uh, area, and um, you know, I. I just think it's vitally important. I mean, what are some other tips you you'd say for looking for a, a quality guide or outfitter, Blake? Get to know him. You okay. know, before they come to work for you or or her, but before they come to work for you, spend some time with them on the phone and talk with them. Ask them just brass tacks questions. See where their hearts at. Because a lot of people try to get into this thing. Oh, I want to. People, everybody wants to be an outfitter till it's time to do outfitter stuff. Yeah. It's true. Everybody wants to be a guide till it's time to do guide stuff. You know, it's not glorious at all when you come down to the brass they tacks. Can their own website until it's time to manage their own website and right. do tech guide stuff. And that's why I have you. <laughs> that's right. I, I can't do. I can't do what you can do. Yeah. You know, there's a. And if I could, I don't have time for it. You right. know, but right. as far as guides go, <clears throat> a lot of times it is a, it's a coin, it's a coin toss anyway. Mm-hmm. But. If see, I, I do what I do because I love it, not sure. because I'm trying to be famous, not because I, I'm trying to get rich by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, not because I don't I'm in it for the right reasons. So if, 
when it comes time to have a guide come on with your outfit or your ranch or whatever, you need to get to know them and invite them over. You know, if they live out of state, I understand that, but have some FaceTime with them, you know, Skype with them. Uh, have several phone calls with them. Don't just read a resume and call some, you know, references and then take that as good because yeah. I have, I've gone through a couple guides. Um, you know, I've had them come in and out about as quick as they come in, they leave not because, you know, my outfit's successful. It's because they didn't realize how much work was involved. Right. That's true. I mean, that's a lot of, and, and, and when I said about, uh, in the last podcast I did, gosh, this has been probably a year and a half ago. I did a solo podcast called the top 10 things to look for in your next outfit or a guide. And I wrote an article about that at fishgame.com. If anyone wants to look it up, the podcast is in the article, but basically, um, I talked about you either have the heart of a teacher as a guide or you have a heart of a salesman. And the heart of the salesmen guys are are flashing the pan. They don't stay around long because people pick up on that. You know what I'm saying? Only the good survive. So if you have a guy that's been around, if it's a fishing guide or a hunting guy that's been around 30 years successfully outfitting, that's that's something to pay attention to. His prices may be more expensive, or you've got somebody, you know, like Blake, you've been at it a few years, but your your heart's in it and you have the heart of a teacher, you know, I mean, that's another thing to look for big time. Absolutely. 100 percent and i i know what you're saying i can't stand when i get around folks that are trying to upsell you know i've been out there and i've had folks at a certain ranch trying to trying to upsell my clients and right. i'm out there and i, I tell myself i'm gonna tell you something right now you need to just go ahead and stop talking to them yeah that's as nice as i can put it yeah because I, i'm not here trying to upsell these people and trying to i'm here they they know what they want for that's another thing people people know what they uh, you know, not know what they want for, but they people know what they came for. Sure. And it's up to me to number one, keep them from shooting something too big or too small. You know, get that get what they came for in that criteria, and educate them along the way. Right. <clears throat> if they want another animal or see another animal that they want to take, well, by all means, and they ask me if they can take it, absolutely. Sure. But. It's, it's not, you know, it's like you said, um, it's not up to me to sell it. The animal sells themselves. That's, right. It's up to me to to keep to steer them and to do exactly what my title is. To guide, guide right, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. And, I mean, we recently had a, a high-fence ranch that was doing MLD permits, and this is affiliated with one of the ranches that I work with, and basically they needed to kill 15 does. They were going to sell them, and I think it was something like 250 apiece, which is pretty cheap for a doe hunting a high-fence. Um, I think so. Don't, don't you think so, Blake? I think so. Bucks? That's, that's pretty good. But anyway, so I was down I, for one of them. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just agreeing with you. I definitely think so. Yeah. Uh, so I was down for one of them at least, you know, for that cost. They needed to basically take the, the brain stems and for CWD testing and that kind of stuff. And I, I touched on this briefly in the last show. Um, the guy was like, you can only shoot does, but all everybody saw that hunter before me was bucks. And then he said, well, I'll shoot them for you if you pay 250 and I'll bring them to you field dress. And I'm like, sir, that's not a hunt. So one of the guides for this outfit I worked for finally wrote the guy back, look, we've seen nothing but bucks. All of our guys that have hunted out there have seen nothing but bucks. And, you know, killing us and bringing, killing those does and bringing them to us is not a hunt. You know, no thanks, go buzz off. And the guy never – but I see that guy on Texas Hunting Forum and places like that all the time advertising how good his whitetail were. And I'm like, man, what a crappy guide. 
You know, I mean, that's not really doing your job, even if it's selling to a neighboring ranch like we were. Um, that that's that's a heart of a salesman, man. You know, he's just trying to get his deal done and have you pay for it. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with that. And I would um, I just I don't do that. You know, I I don't know, man. I everybody like you said to each his own. Sure, uh, sure. I I have had <laughs> I've had experiences when I first started guiding where uh here's another thing you know that people come out and they're like well, we're just gonna stay back here at camp if you'll go out and, and shoot them for us and i was like <laughs> really i've heard that kind yeah. of stuff before i've just never really heard it from somebody like you that's funny yeah. i mean you know, there's a lot i got heaps of stories i can tell but, <laughs> i'm you sure know, uh they're and i was like you i thought they were joking <laughs> yeah and i was like you know, he's like, yeah, we're just gonna stay back here and drink, and watch football. And I was like, <clears throat> no, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out here and got. And then, you know, then the ranch owner comes out because that's before I started my outfit. Then the right. ranch owner comes out, yeah, go take their animals. And I was like, wow, okay, that's not you hunting. Know, and I, <laughs> you know, nope. <laughs> I mean, why, why even bother? Yeah, <clears throat> but uh. Anyway, no, I, I do not uh, I do not agree with that technique or tactic. Um, if somebody wants to come out and hunt, at, by all means, let them hunt, let them take their let them take their game. But I'm not gonna, um, you know, I'm not gonna do that. Well, it's a um, know when to fold them and know when to show them, you know, kind of thing. You know, when you when you don't see any does and you've got to kill 15 of them, go do it your darn self. Don't, don't, you know, say, well, you pay for it. I'll do it for you and I'll go track them down. And I'm like, that's not, that's not a hunting experience. That's not even an outdoor lifestyle experience. That's a harvest experience. I guess if you want to call it that, that's a meat haul, you know? And a lot of people may be in whitetail for that. That's not me. I want the experience. That's what I talk about on every show. Just about it's about the experience. It's not about the size of the antlers. You can't eat the antlers anyway. You know, nope. <laughs> you get, nope. I've tried to grind them up. I've tried to boil them. I mean, it doesn't matter. I can't eat those antlers. I don't know why, but, uh, or those horns, but, um, you know, anyway, there's my, there's my soapbox. I'll get off my rant. <laughs> no, you get it, man. You know, rant, rants lead to more rants. Yeah. They're good discussions. Food, it's healthy discussions at least. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, and you're right. I have people, I have people call me up. I was on the phone with a guy yesterday. He's, uh, he was booking a hunt for he and his wife and just inquiring about this, that, and the other. He was like, well, what about, you know, he asked me my prices on my axis, and he was like, what about management, this, that, and that. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, as far as, because he was asking, you know, what would be a good one for her and stuff like that. And I said, man, I got stuff on my wall that I know a lot of guys wouldn't mount. But yep. guess what? To me, in my eyes, at that time, it was my, and it was and still is a trophy. So the trophy uh-huh is indicative of what you feel and what you think it's in the the, eye of the beholder isn't it is that what you mean yeah yeah absolutely no i I knew the eye and the beholder thing i was just i was just hitting on a couple of things that you were hitting on it and you know i'm looking at a deer right now to my left literally staring at him he is a you know, he's not huge. He's about 125 inch, eight point. But I, it was the first buck that I took on my grandmother's land that, you know, first good buck. And I was, and he's shoulder mounted, you know, he's not sure. Euro. And I, 
you know, people, even the tax nurse said, man, you might want to wait for a big one. I said, nope. I said, this is my first good deer off of my grandmother's plate. You know, he was a mature deer. That's sure. another thing. Young buck. This is in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, he was a mature deer, and guess what? He's like, oh, okay. And then he saw it, you know, because he just didn't want – he was him being an honest taxidermist. You know, he didn't want me to spend a whole heap of money and on something that he's like, you'll get a big one. I said, it ain't about that. And no. I told him, oh, okay, I get it. You know, so, yeah, trophy – you know, people, we have to sell it as trophy management because there's certain yes. criteria. Correct. There's a lot of management deer. I took several management deer with clients this year that I know are going on the wall. Oh, yeah. You know, because they're good deer. My my fiance, let's take her friends. She went out. She took her first deer with me this year. So proud of her. First time she ever shot a deer. Uh, her, She shot a nice, really nice West Texas nine point with me. And heart shot him. <laughs> I've huh. never been so happy in my oh, life. Oh, that's great. You got to be proud of her. That's awesome. Yeah. And is he the biggest deer in the world? Oh, is he going on the wall? You, da- you daggum right. Yep. And it's a great memory. We got video of it. We're going to be putting pictures up underneath it. You it's know, her so. first, man. I mean, that's a, that's a rite of passage <laughs> in a lot of ways in a lot of hunters' life. I mean, I just posted an article that Brian Johnson wrote on uh, LoneStarBowHunter.com, uh, their blog, and he was talking about the different stages of hunting, how we have five stages that he perceives we go through. And, you know, the last stage, he said, you know, is the stage that I think, you know, you and I are in to some degree where we basically, we don't even have to take a gun out to the field. We just want to go and enjoy the outdoors and see other people, you know, get their first or get their best or whatever the case may be. It's not all about trophies and antlers and stuff like that. And that's what the message I like to convey on this show. Absolutely not. You are, you are absolutely right. And that's <laughs> that actually as an outfitter, as me as an outfitter, if I was doing it for the sales, I disagree with you, but I'm not, I would, I agree with you. I want to, I want people to have a good time, yeah. have a great experience, take a good animal, and come back. You know, and if they, you know, and if if you're pushing for the biggest and the, you know, the most inches and biggest weight and all that kind of stuff all the time, well, that's great. More power to you. Uh, I don't think the, I don't think that'll last. Well, and for every 200-incher, not to cut you off, but every 200-incher, there's going to be somebody that shoots a 300-incher. You know, there's always going to be somebody else that has a bigger and a baddest, you know. that And that it's gotten too much into that. You know, yeah. Growing up, my daddy and all them, you know, we shot a – whether it was a, a spike or a 12-point, daggum good job, son, good yep. deer. Now yep. let's get to work and clean him and yeah. let's cross it. <laughs> the work begins after that trigger pull, baby. <laughs> right. And, you know, now it's, well, what camo were you using? Well, what, uh, you know, what release do you use? Well, what, you know, not that good gear is not good. Sure. That's all great, but it's it's become about, it's become about that. It's all about the gear horse, for lack of a better term. <laughs> you know, I've heard uh, that well, used before. I just never heard that on the show before. That's good. I like well, that. you know, people ask me, what kind of camo? Ammo you use, I, man. I, I wear blue jeans a lot, to be honest with you. Sure. But I've got I've got everything from real tree to mossy oak to broadside to sick and everything in between. <clears throat> and I'm like, I wear what is closest to my hands at the time yeah. to grab and put them. 
And does know, it really, really seriously matter? I mean, the the pattern that you wear on a certain day for that big buck. I mean, to some degree, it might. But everything I've read, everything I've studied, and everything I've experienced in the outdoors shows otherwise. You know, biggest buck I ever killed in my life. I shot at thirteen yards, November twenty third, twenty fourteen. I was in brown Carhartt <laughs> overalls, bills, thirteen. <laughs> 13 feet up a tree, 13 yards. That was a 150 you killed in Georgia, right? Yep. Oh, wow. And, I mean, come on. You know, that's sure. – <laughs> it, it, it don't <laughs> – my cousin, my cousin Richard, my daddy, and then my daddy always wore brown Carhartt zip-ups. My cousin Richard wears blue jeans, an uh, orange jacket, an orange hat, and a, a harness, climbing harness, you know. Mm -hmm. Gun. That son gun kills big deer every year, yeah. but it matters about you know your knowledge on everything. Like I said, not the good gear and the important, but it's, it's become too much about what did you you know what did you use. You know this these products ain't gonna make you kill a bigger animal, a bigger deer, bigger this that and the other. Will it give you a competitive edge? Nice gear, yeah. I like good knives. I like good gear. I like sure. stuff that's gonna last. But there's a lot of stuff that. You know, it's it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I can't agree with you more. And that's the thing is that the hunting industry is marketed to so much through TV, through podcasts, through you know social media, through all the ways that we consume the outdoor you know lifestyle. Um, you know, it's very much so that everything is geared towards selling more stuff. And I've got <laughs> enough stuff. I don't know about you, Blake, but I've got enough stuff. <laughs> Man, yeah. I've got I've got four closets full of stuff because I used to think this, that, and the other was yeah. going to get you this, that, and the other. Now I use I use the most simple stuff when I go out now. And nothing yeah. against any of the sponsors I've had on the show or anything like that. I still think you know I, I represent some of the best products out there uh, when any, it comes to stuff. But I mean, I know you don't either. But I mean, that's that's just my point, I guess. Yeah, no, I don't have anything against anybody producing great products either. We I rely on great products, but. A lot of people produce great products. Right. That's the, the point I'm making. It doesn't, you know, I don't know. We have we have made it, like you said earlier in the show, you know, leave it up to the hunters and it'll basically self-employed. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, in general, we, I don't know. I think we need to support each other more about too. just the the game and the, and the hunt and the experience in and of itself. You know, if somebody gets a good bit good deer uh you know or if it's small in your eyes and you're saturated don't bash the guy sure you know, you know educate him heck i i tell you what you know i saw and even if it's on the other end of the spectrum if somebody's asking for something like there was a post i saw the other day on facebook mm. a guy asking for a 40 inch by 40 inch axis Woo. Okay, those don't just grow on trees around here, you know. Let's let's talk about this for a minute. Yeah, I, I said one comment, one comment. I and all I said was I concur to somebody that said, "Who I know, you know, I know this guy." He said, "I don't think you know a whole lot about access." He wasn't trying to right. be a jerk. He was just right. saying, "You know, you might want to educate yourself a little bit more." Because there was a bunch of guys jumping on there and said, "Oh, I can do this. I can do that." Oh, really? Okay. Well, my taxidermist has been in business for 32 years. And the biggest one that he has mounted uh, was a, it was this past year, you know, and he was 38. 
by 38, you know, 38 and a half by 38. Right. Just on each one. Right. Yes. Each hand, and you know. I have, and somebody got on there, you know, bashing me. Why would you bash this guy for asking a sincere question? <laughs> all I said was, I concur, period. I said, first of all, I didn't bash anybody. I said, when I first started guiding and I first started outfitting, I was asking the same questions, and it was up to somebody else who told me the truth yeah. about how it really is, what you can really expect and what you can be realistic about. And instead of saying, oh, yeah, I can do that. And I, I left it with this. When you get your 40 by 40, let me see. Yeah. And that's good, Blake. That's real good. Am I am I not? Am I saying they don't exist? Absolutely not. There's everything. There could be a 50 by 50. Let's go out there. But guess what? I haven't seen him. I haven't, I, either. I have, I haven't seen him. And when you get him in your hands, Put the tape on him and let me see him. Until then, please keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. And that's the thing. I mean, I work. You and I both work in live sale. I just sold a um, a group of Axis and a Black Buck to a guy down in deep South Texas, down by Falcon Lake, and he was bringing them in to a high fence for somebody to come and um, some of his African clients to come overseas and shoot. And so we just delivered them recently and everything, and he was really happy with it. But, you know, we had a 26 and 230s uh, Axis deer, and then we had about an 18-inch uh, black buck. And he said, man, that's perfect. He said, that's a good representation of the species. That's a good trophy animal. And the 26 uh, will probably go to the kids that are going to come shoot. And, uh, you know, the does will go to the kids. But the guys were happy with something, a good representation of the animal. And I, it's not always about the biggest and the baddest. I know I say that a lot on the show and people get tired of hearing it. But, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, hunting's got to be more than that. It really does. Absolutely. No, it, uh, it most certainly does. And. You know, I don't, I don't know, Dustin. You know, I, I just think that, bottom line, we need to be more supportive of each other. Yeah. And part of the, now, just like in my family, if I was to shoot a, a deer that was immature, they they didn't bash me. They would tell me they were like, you know, you might want to let him grow a little bit, and this is why. And at, at that point in time, I was still learning. Like sure. I said, is it going to happen? Yes, it is. That's the facts of life, and that's the actuality of what we do. Sure, but. The thing is, we've we've got to edu educate each other. And had I been more educated prior to going out, I might have not made the same Passed decision. Passed it up. Yeah, right. No, that makes sense. Right. So, I mean, you know, talk more about the uh, the hiring hiring an exotic for a, hiring a guide for an exotic hunt. I should say. Um, you know, there's lots of high fence ranches all around Texas. Um, there's some low fence ones. I know of uh, of um, uh, a couple of outfitters in West Texas that go after odd ed free range, and that's a heck of a hard hunt. I think it's probably one of the hardest hunts in Texas. Would you agree? Absolutely. I've got free range, you know, free range odd ed, and you know, it's it's any given day to do it. Some guys do it one time and it was easy for them because they came into a feeder and they're like, oh, there's nothing to it. But to do it consecutively, right? That's a bit, you're hiking that's a mountains, moment. you're climbing, you're you're running through brush, that kind of stuff. Is that right? Yes, yes. It's no it's no walk in the park. Right. You're you're up and down hills. You know, you could basically chalk it up to going after a big bull. Yeah, like an elk. Yeah, exactly. In the Rockies is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, and and the thing that I bring up a lot of times when I talk about exotics is you know Texas, and I, I've said this before, but Texas is in the golden age of uh, of exotics. I mean, we've got more than than just about any other state in the nation, uh, more than just about any other area in the world as far as our our containment of of exotics in our free ranging population. But that all being said, you don't have to have a license, you don't have to draw a tag, you don't have to have any kind of special uh, you know deals at all from the state of Texas to hunt an elk a buffalo a bison um a uh an axis uh a fallow a psyca deer you know black buck any of that stuff is fair game year round you know and that's the thing a lot of people don't understand is that how do we get away with that well because we're texas i guess you know i've got a couple of folks that live outside of the state and they're like man i need to come there you know because this is really cool so anyway absolutely no i i, I freaking love texas in general let me just say one more time, I love Texas, and I love it even that much more. After I got here, you know, I, I was headed up to Montana, to the Montana School for Guides. I never knew I, that. Wow. Yeah. I, I wound up turning my truck back around. My mom got cancer. That's Long right. story. I remember but that But I turned and, uh, came here. Well, I quickly learned how awesome Texas was in the fact that you absolutely can hunt year-round. Um, you know, you also have extended whitetail seasons because of MLD. Um, right. Into February in most cases. Yep. That's yes. Right. February 28th, 29th in most, in most cases. But um, that being said, exotics are awesome, very simply put, because we can hunt them year round from January to January. <laughs> yep. That's right. You know, and it's. Um, uh, now, don't let that confuse anybody listening. You know, a lot of people, I had a lot of people call me for axis late year. And I am I know I'm going to rough feathers with this. Do they exist? Absolutely. There's there's herds that have good axis, good hard horn axis in late season, but that's about 15%. So late season, you mean like December, like this time of year, right? December, yeah. early January. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, and the, the best time come for axes is going to be you know it's going to be hot <laughs> very simply put it's going to be late late spring to summer because they rut may june you right. know it's uh, are there axes there's axes drop axes drop their horns you know and start regrowing around their birthday right and it depends on when they're you know when the gestation cycle of their mother was i was just going to bring that up they do it does their horns grow and fall depending on their birthday and finding axis this time of year like you said the bottom 15 percent will have horns but most of them will have already dropped and are regrowing this time of year exactly um, and, so and that's why i had trouble filling that last order i was bringing down to south texas because we could only find one with horns in the last minute we were finding fallow and the fallow were dang uh too muddy to get back there so we found two other on the fly 26 and a 30 that still had horns i mean now whether or not they drop their horns the minute they hit the ground of their live sale capture release site i don't know but you know we got them delivered at least so absolutely yeah. no I, I know how that goes too. <laughs> uh, anyway. that's, a, that's a whole nother topic that is i know i'm not trying to go off in that tangent i just thought that we've was got funny. A lot of stuff that we can cover and talk about dustin we we've got many more shows ahead oh sure i'm sure um but you know i just I think that people need to be aware 
of you know of the hunting opportunities that are here and why we do what we do and the fact that it is awesome and yes. uh, i know we've hit on it before i'm not sure if you and i hit on it in just conversation or on the last show but i will say it again if it was not for the texas rancher if it was not for the hunter and if it was not for the middleman of being an outfitter and guide the populations of the animals that we hunt would cease to exist yeah that's a good point because because of the efforts from us from men and women like us from you from the hunter from the rancher we have made it to where once almost extinct on the brink of extinction you know animals that were on the brink of being poached out completely yes are now not only surviving they're thriving right they're you in great numbers. The you can thank hunters for that. I was just going to say that again because that is one of the biggest things that a lot of people that are antis, and you know, it's hard to those convinced against their will or have the same opinions until I get that. But people that are on the fence need to know. And my stepdad was one of the people that I finally convinced the other day that hunting is a viable way for you know sustaining life of those herds of Oryx and Gimsbach and Dama Gazelle and all the different other exotics that are out there that were at once put on kind of a kind of endangered list in Texas. Right. Um, hunting is what has saved that species. And there are more of them here than there are in Africa, India, you know, Asia, whatever, Europe, whatever. Yep. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, I think, I think that's one of the main things before you speak. And that's on anything. If I don't know something I don't, you know, if I don't know about something or if I'm not really up to speed on something, I don't talk. Um, sure. I don't talk about it. I just listen, you know, and then I, I make my, you know, I, <laughs> I, I'll go back to what I said just a little while ago. I think more people need to be supportive, more hunters, I should yes. say, need to be supportive of other hunters. Sure. Um. And if somebody is flat out wrong, that person doesn't need to be bashed. They need to be educated. Yes. Uh, that is a very good statement, Blake. That's a very good statement. You know, I just, I, it makes me sick, Dustin. Sure. You know, I see it all the time. I and see I'm it just too. Like, you know what? I'm not even going to get on here for a while because I'm going to wind up saying something and getting into it with somebody, another expert. And it's not going to be pretty, you know, and that just makes, at the end of the day, it just makes me look dumb and, uh, trashy. Sure. (laughs) Sure. No, I understand that. I mean, and that's, that's the thing with all this that I, I kind of bring, bring home to it is that, you know, if, if you're in it for me, go hunt a hog, you know, that we got plenty of those, you know, if you're in it for trophy, don't always be after the 40 inch axis that may not even exist out there and exist in small numbers, go for a 30. That's a good representation of the animal. You know, it's, it's, and, and can't we all get along, you know, <laughs> that's the last thing I wanted to say. So yeah, it, yeah, it, it's, as cheesy as that sounds, <laughs> it's been overused. I know. So <laughs> bless you. Thank you. As cheesy as that sounds, it's a daggum fact, man. It's like, oh my lord, you know. Let's why don't we spend most of our 
<laughs> energies trying to help each other and building each other up instead of tearing each other down. I don't know. It just becomes about an ego thing, I guess. Well, you and I are on social media where a lot of this stuff exists. You know, uh, you post a lot and so do I for the podcast and for the ranches I work with and the hunts that I sell and that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's just, there's a lot of misinformation going on out there. And I think a show like this helps with the educational part of this and also the, um, the essence of what the outdoor lifestyle contains. And that is not necessarily to shoot the biggest and the best. It's about the experience and it's about enjoying each other's company. It's about uh, communing with God or whatever your belief system is. I know you and I are both Christian guys and, uh, and really, really take that home. But, you know, I mean, there's just so much out there to explore. And, and for us to argue about it is just sad, you know. I, uh, I would have to agree. I'd have to agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> you know, but a lot of people disagree with me. That's okay. Yeah. They, you know, they Same will, here. <laughs> they, they will continue to disagree with me, but that's not why I'm here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm here for them to get to disagree with. Right. Then what would they have to talk, to talk about? Well, you and I are both kind of shining lights, I think, on, I'm not trying to toot our own horn or anything, but I mean, we at least believe in the future of this sport and at least keeping it young, keeping it, you know, keeping it uh, in conservation, keeping it in uh, in the quality of a hunt, um, you know, and, and getting kids involved in the outdoors, which I know you're huge about, you know, I've seen a lot of the posts you do on Facebook. Um, I'm taking a, I'm taking a mother and her son out today, this right. evening, him put him on his first deer they think it's gonna be a doe but i'm gonna let him shoot a buck and pay the ranch for it oh cool that's awesome (laughs) merry christmas yeah Yeah, that's great you know i know how it is Uh, i grew up in the same type household single mom and uh our our dad not being there you know for a while and dad for lack of a better you know reason he might be overseas or whatever um not you know mom basically a mom trying to support her family on her own dime if it wasn't for a lot of good men uh they're growing up or a few good men they're growing up where i was i would not have gotten to get into the outdoors which is extremely important to me obviously yeah um yeah i wouldn't have gotten to go so you know when she reached out uh, she actually reached out on facebook Uh, so there's a lot of people watching Yes, There's a lot of people always. That, That's a very good that, point, Blake. That's a very good point. Even if they're not saying something, they're watching. They're watching. And if, they, if that's the example that somebody wants to put out there, the the bashing and the hating and the name calling and all that stuff, and that's what people see. It's true. And I'm I'm not gonna partake. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm not gonna partake in that. And feel free if you want to, but that's not me. Yeah. And I, but anyway, yeah, I love, I love to get kids in the outdoors. I love to, um, I love to get first time hunters in the outdoors. Uh, I love to get women in the outdoors. I mean, they are, to be honest with you guys, let's be honest. I've heard this time and time again. We all know that women can outshoot men. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and <laughs> down. It's a proven fact. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, um, no, it's true. Thank feather ruffling show let me tell you that's right we're ruffling all kinds of feathers but no that's that's very true in a lot of cases that uh, that's true so well anyway um we're about at the end of our hour here i just wanted to uh give you a chance to, you know how do people find you can they message you on facebook um website phone number that kind of stuff absolutely you can find me on 
uh, on Facebook at King of Apes Outfitters LLC is my Facebook page. I'm also got a personal page. Um, I'm up to about 5,000 friends every on any given day and then back down again, depending on who I piss off that day. <laughs> Uh, and then I, just depends on the I, day, huh, Blake? Depends on the day, but I say, you know, sometimes it's about my fishing beliefs, and sometimes it's about my hunting beliefs, and right. sometimes because I'm breathing air. Yeah, but either, yeah. just because, uh, Blake, just because, yeah. Yeah, but I can. you can also find me uh, at my website. It's www.kingofeights.com, or just simply put kingofeights.com. And my sale is two one zero when I'm talking on now two one zero seven four zero six four one one or you can email me at hunting with marshall at gmail dot com again that's hunting with marshall and it's my last name m a r s h a l l at gmail dot com both your first name and last name are spelled normally, so people don't have to figure that out, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just Google Blake Marshall and uh, uh, King of Eights, and King of Eights is spelled out. Eights is spelled out, so don't write eight s, you know. Instead, um, wanted to bring that up too. And I am yes, folks. I built a lot of websites. I built this guy's website too. So there you go. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I always enjoy these things because you know you and I always talk about spirit stuff and that's what i love the most about doing this show and it's a blessing to me to deliver this out to the you know texas outdoor nation because it gives me an outlet for my uh you know hunting emotions i guess is the best way to say it without better better terms you know this is cathartic for me is what i'm trying to say yeah same here i like to you know there's a there's a lot of stuff i think that i don't say right there's a lot of things i think that i will never say but you know that's just part <laughs> But sometimes I just need to, you know, you need to get it out there. Yeah. Because there's people that are thinking the same thing that yeah. don't think they have support when they, in all actuality they do. Yeah. And I think the things that we brought up in this show, Blake, need to be addressed. They need to be talked about, you know, to some regard because um, not enough people are carrying that flag and waving it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're not – they're just kind of staying quiet because the overwhelming majority, let's say, is about a certain issue or about only horns or horn length or size or, you know, size is the only thing that matters. And, you know, the, the, we, we need another voice out there, and that's what I try to do this show for. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm – I am, uh, I'm pleased that you, pleased and honored that you would, you know, have me on the show, number one, and number two, uh, I'm very thankful that there are people out there like you, specifically you, doing what you do to educate. Uh, I know know you're doing it for the right reasons. Uh, You have a family, which is in and of itself, um, a blessing but at the same time you you have a lot of obligations to them but you still take time to to do certain things you make the time to do certain things such as this podcast and i hope that it reaches um i hope that it reaches every bent ear that is interested in all honesty but hope that it reaches somebody and at least hits home with at least one person and then our job is done right i agree i call it Yes, success. Yeah, no, I agree. And thank you for those kind words, Blake. That means a lot. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, I mean it, bro. 
And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Blake Marshall from King of Eights Outfitters. Awesome guy. Uh, I've got a website for him, and I'll put all that in his contact information in the show notes as well. So all the picture of him, which I try to do with every guest that we have, so you can kind of see what they look like um, over the over the podcast, and uh, you can check them out on social media and so on and so forth. So uh, if you've not done so yet, please subscribe to the newsletters. They are free. Uh, Texas Fishing Game puts out Practical and Tactical Tuesday. Wildlife Wednesday and the Thursday Texas State of the Outdoor Nation. Those are all free. It's like getting a mini magazine three days a week. And there's tons of uh, stories that relate back to our blog at fishgame.com that you can read. Um, really great stuff. So we're getting those out a week in advance now. So I kind of get to preview the stories as one of the uh, one of the uh, proofers of the newsletter. So that's kind of cool to be able to do that. And I uh, hope you guys are having a great deer season. If you uh, are, are done, I hope you had a good deer season. And uh, I hope you guys will consider hunting exotics year-round for uh, for what we do in the outdoors um, because it's a great way to fill the freezer in the off-seasons. But anyway, thank you guys again so much for watching, reading, and listening. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time.